0: So we're going to continue today uh, with marriage. We're going to look at it from the perspective of what a husband needs or what a wife needs from her husband. So I know we have a lot of ladies in the room, and it's been my prayer that somehow this message will still bless us ladies, whether you're single, whether you're married. It's still the Word of God, and the Word of God brings life. So we're going to believe God it brings life to all of us, even though it is specifically designed or orchestrated for the purpose of helping men to be husbands and to see from the scripture what your wife needs from you for that to be a good marriage, for you to be a good husband. Because hopefully you don't just want to be husband. Hopefully you don't just want to get married one day, but you want to be good at it. I think the two things I don't want to fail more than anything are my husband and my kids and hopefully a husband is the same way. You don't want to fail your wife and your kids more than anything else. You don't want to fail your boss. You don't want to fail your pastor. Most people don't like to fail anywhere, but the main two things you don't want to fail are your spouse and your children. So we're going to look through the scriptures today to help men, not that any of you are failing, but to see where the word of God can sharpen us, right? So we can get better. The first verse I want to, you can turn to there, or I'll just read it to you, but it's 1 Peter 3, 7. We often hear a lot that wives are so complicated, and they're such a mystery, and the Bible even does call marriage a mystery, but this verse tells us that we can, as a husband, you can, I shouldn't say we, I'm not a man, I'm not in that boat, but it says, "'Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, dwell with your wife, with understanding.'" You can do that. You can understand her. You can figure her out. You can know what she needs and live according to that. Not that you serve her as your Lord, but you can, you can live according to what she needs. It says, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. So this verse is encouraging as a man. It tells you you can figure your wife out. Sometimes it might seem like an impossibility, but you can figure her out. You can understand what blesses her and what encourages her and what affirms her and what sets her off. You can figure out those buttons, right? You can figure out which ones you should be pushing and which ones you should avoid. <laughs> Amen. But because she's an heir with you, you're a team, you're in it together, you are in it together. You're heirs together, the grace of life. When you get married, you become one flesh, and you are a team. You don't, you're no longer flying solo, just doing what you want as you want, taking care of what you want as you want, but you are a team. You know, my, my kids don't do team sports. They do, but it's different. But like a basketball team, you can't just have the one that always has to have the ball and the one that always shoots the ball, you have to have a team. Football team has to have a team. You have a quarterback, sure, but you have a team that supports and helps that quarterback be successful. Amen? So we're a team as husband and wife. It's, not, it's no longer one boat. We're in the boat together. We're heirs together, the grace of life, that our prayers may not be hindered. My goodness, no time in prayer is wasted time, but you don't want them to be hindered by your own foolishness, by your own doing. It, like Pastor says, you're shooting holes in your own boat. You're, you're trying to bail water out, but you keep blowing holes at the same time. That ship's gonna go down eventually. So we don't want to be doing that. We wanna figure out how to not only bail water out of our boat, but stop putting holes there so that it fills up faster than we can get the water out. Amen? I want to encourage you before we get into this, that, that your wife is God's daughter, okay? Who has a daughter in the room? Raise your hand, just a little. Do you want your daughter taken care of? Would you run through a brick wall if you needed to, to protect your daughter? If you could, you would, absolutely, and your sons too, but daughters are different. I have one of each. I pray more fervently for my daughter's husbands than I do my son's spouse. Probably because I've had them longer and I've prayed longer, but they are only going to go as far as their husband allows them to go. Their life will totally be dependent upon the man that they marry. They will no longer be under Pastor and I. It will be the man that they submit themselves to and connect to for the rest of their life. And he will determine how fast they run. He will determine the direction they run. So we are praying for those young men even now. Your wife is God's daughter. As fervent as we are as a parent that have daughters, as fervent as you are about thinking about the young man that could possibly be suitable for your daughter, your wife is God's daughter. He wants you to be suitable for her. He doesn't want you dragging bottom. He doesn't want you steering your family all over back and forth. He wants you taking care of her and treating her with honor and respect. She is God's daughter. So I want us to look at our wives that way. I keep saying us. I don't have a wife. I have a husband. But I want you to look at your wife that way. And wives too. We can look at our husband. This is God's son. And he wants him taken care of as well. So we can apply it that way even though our message is going to be focused, like I said, towards the men today. But it applies to us as women, amen? So your wife is God's daughter. I'm going to give you five things today that I will be able to see from the Bible. As a, as a husband, it's your job. And as a husband, your wife wants and needs these things from you. So five things that your, your wife needs from you, according to the Bible. And hopefully I think all of the wives will agree with these five things as we look through them. The first one we're gonna look at is, I, some of them have two word titles because there's, I want to paint as broad a picture as I can to encompass fully what that actually entails. So the first one I have is communication and leadership. She needs communication and leadership from you. If we look the first verse, actually before we look at the verse, I put some questions here for husbands that they can write down and you can take home as an assignment, homework and ask your wife, okay? If you're preparing to be a husband, take home and ask yourself, could I do these things? If you're waiting for your spouse to find you because he who finds a spouse, finds a a wife, finds a good thing. So if you're a young lady, these are gonna be things that you don't need to settle on. If he doesn't show these things, points in courtship or even in interest with you, a ring is not going to change anything. He will be the same person after you say, I do. It doesn't magically whisk away all of the things you wish were different. He will be the same person after you marry him. And maybe worse because he was trying to win you before you said, I do. So he was putting forth some effort, but now that he's won you, he may just kibosh all of that. And now there's no more effort whatsoever. And you're like, What have I gotten myself into? Now, you really don't want your prayers to be hindered if you're in that spot. So, first question for husbands is Does my wife know the direction of our family? Does my wife know the direction of our family? Do I even know the direction of our family? Are we pointed towards anything as a family? What are we pointed towards? What is God's vision for our family? What has God given me as a husband as an assignment? What is God's vision for our family? What are our goals? Financial goals, spiritual goals, service, service goals in the kingdom of God, whatever it is. What are our goals as a family? The husband needs to know those things and your wife needs to know them also. So the first verse I want you to look at is Ephesians 5.23. And I have several verses today. You can write them down, turn to them. I'm not gonna take time to turn to them. 523 Ephesians husband is head of the wife as Christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body so we see from the bible it is god's design for the husband to be the leader you are designed to lead your family it's she doesn't just want that because she's lazy and doesn't want to think up what you need she In the family needs to do. It's designed by God for you to be the leader of the family. You are designed by God to provide that leadership. Hear me, young men. We have a whole beautiful row of young men back there. Handsome, I should say handsome. It's your job to lead a family one day. You practice that now. Be a leader now. Step up in uh, youth. Step up around the church. Find a place where you can exercise leadership. I see that as a mom with a three-year-old. I want my son to be assertive, I don't want to squish that out of him, but at the same time, he's three, so he has to be submitted and do what mommy says right now, you know, but practice leadership as a young person. You have to do that. If, if you don't have a man in your home that you can look up to for leadership, there are plenty in this church. You know, you have some Royal Ranger leaders, you have youth leaders, you have leaders that you can get behind and learn how to be a leader because you're designed by God to do that. You're not designed for your wife to make all of the decisions. She's not designed to do that. She's not designed, now she will because she doesn't want her boat to sink. She does not want her family to perish. So if you are not providing leadership, she will step up and do her best and she'll trust God and do her best. But that's not God's best. Your wife's best is not God's best. Don't relegate her to her best. You do God's best so that she doesn't have to do her best. She's still going to do her best because she loves God and wants to. But you be the leader so that she doesn't have to be. You're designed to. We see that same example in 1 Timothy chapter 3 where it talks about elders and deacons. They don't even qualify for that position if they can't manage well their own home. You're designed by God to manage and rule your home. That's your job and your wife needs that. She's designed by God to be a helper. If you remember in the garden, it, it started there. Adam needed a sufficient or suitable helper. She's designed to help you. It didn't say that he needed a business partner. He didn't need someone, he needed a helper. So you're designed to be the leader, she's designed to be the helper. 1 Corinthians 9 says, have we not power to lead about a sister or wife? So I'm just showing you men from the scripture. This isn't just Miss Manda's opinion about what your wife needs. It's in the Bible. She, you're designed, I think, first and foremost to lead your family. That's your number one assignment from God. And then if you don't do that, oh, here's another one. I'm sorry, before I get there. John 16, 13. However, when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, the Spirit of truth He will guide you into all truth. The Spirit of God is a guider, is a leader. You're designed to be that way as well. And when we don't do that, Proverbs is full of what happens. I just wrote a couple down. But Proverbs 19, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. So think about that for a minute in terms of your family. If you don't know where your family's going, or you have some ideas, but you don't communicate those with your wife and your kids... The Bible says in Proverbs that your family's going to perish. They're not going to go anywhere. I was thinking about this this morning when I was running. I run almost every day, almost every day. And sometimes the time will pass and I can't even, my mind is just gone and I've just run for 30 minutes, and I I don't even remember the run, like your drive home. You're like, did I pass that car already? Oh yeah, I already passed that spot. You just do it so much that it just becomes mundane to you. But if you have a vision, when I trained for the marathon, I had a vision for my running, and I I had a calendar, I had goals I had to meet, I had times I wanted to get under, I had miles I had to run in order to get there. I had a vision, and I accomplished something. Our lives are the same way. If your family has a vision, something that you're all aiming at, have checklists. If you have a vision for your family, you want this for finances, this for spiritual, this for the kids' education, this for uh, continuing your education, whatever your goals might be for your family, the vision God's given you to be a deacon. Maybe your vision is you want to be an elder in the church. Okay, what are you doing now to get there? Because you don't just automatically show up there. There are steps that Reverend Caleb, Pastor Caleb and Miss Tiffany have had steps that they have had to do along the way to get where they are this morning, amen? We, God has a purpose for every one of our lives. It may not be Pastor Chris, it may not be Pastor Caleb, it may not be Pastor anything, But whatever your vision is that God has given you, you've got to set it in front of your family so that they can help you get there. If your kids are old enough, they can help you pray. We have specific things that we pray for as a family every night. That's part of the vision of our family, and our kids know those. There are some things that maybe your children don't know, and that's okay, but whatever you can include them in, you have that whole faith boost. If you've got four children, and they're praying in agreement with you and mom and dad, and plus that brings unity to your home, you're all in that team together, you're all trying to win that championship, Right? you're all moving towards the same goal instead of everybody doing their own thing, just getting up and running and it's mundane and you don't even, it's done. Oh, well, that was great. Did my heart rate even get up? I don't know. You know, but if you have a vision and you have a goal that you're working towards, it makes a difference. The plans of the diligent, Proverbs 21, 5, lead surely to plenty. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. We have to be diligent. We have to have plans. That's what that verse tells us. But those of everyone who is hasty, surely to poverty. You know, I I think about the Bible and what is our assignment? You know, go into all the world and make disciples. Our vision has been given to us and it's pretty clear. And we have a whole rule book on how to do it and what we should do and who we shouldn't fellowship with and who we should excommunicate and so forth. God is very clear and what his expectations are of us. Amen? So as a, as a husband, be very clear. You have to talk with your wife. She wants you to lead her. She doesn't want you to be a caveman and drag her around by her hair or be a jerk and wave your club and threatening her to get on board or get out. I don't think there are any wives in here that would require that. She doesn't need a caveman. She doesn't need a jerk. She doesn't mean you to be demanding. There may be times where you have to be firm with your wife, sure. But even in raising children, we don't discipline them unless they're stubborn and rebellious. So if your wife is just messing up or just not knowing, she doesn't necessarily need your husband authority coming out to that degree, if that makes sense to everybody and that's clear. So once you know these goals, let me give you this verse while I'm there. Colossians 3, 18 and 19. If you do tend to be a caveman or yell or be a jerk, it happens, right? This verse, excuse me, verse 18 says, for wives to submit to their husbands, but verse 19, and this is the English Standard Version, says, husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. You don't have to yell at her to get her to understand. She's an adult. She loves God, I'm sure. She wants to do the right thing, so she doesn't necessarily mean you beating your chest and showing her how awesome you are at leading. She just needs you to make the vision plain so she can run with you, amen? So I have a few notes here, I'll just read through them. Once you know the goals, regularly talk about them. It is one thing to make a goal, If anybody's ever tried to diet or weight loss, it's one thing to have a goal, but what are you doing every week to make that happen? Do you have regular weigh-ins? Do you have regular checkups with your finances? Do you have a goal for so much savings? Do you have a goal to get out of debt? What's your debt reduction look like? Chart that thing so everybody can see. We paid off $300 of debt this month. Yes, we skipped eating out, but that helps the whole family to see the picture and to be on board. Have those regular meetings with your spouse or with the whole family if it fits so that you can continue working towards those. So have goals, make them clear, make a list if you need to, have a checklist of things you want to get accomplished with your family for the year. Put it on paper, hang it on the fridge, whatever it takes. But, and wives, you can ask your husband for those things. Honey, he's gonna go home and ask you, do you know the direction of our family? If you don't know, be honest. And wife and husbands say, okay, I'm sorry, I will do better at communicating. Don't get mad that she doesn't know you didn't communicate well, do better, right? Don't get mad, just do better. You're not in trouble, but you want your marriage to get better, so just do better. Don't get offended, just do better, amen? It's not to be, show you how wrong, you know, some people can get so touchy when they, and men can be that way, I think their pride or their, their ego gets in the way. Don't do that, don't let it get in the way, okay? So, have goals, have goals, Work towards them. Hopefully that's clear. She needs communication from you. She needs leadership from you. Talk about those things on a weekly basis. Be the leader. Women are designed to follow, okay? You guys are really quiet, and some of you are sleeping, but I hope everybody else is getting something. So number two I have down is provision and protection. She needs to be provided for. So husbands, you're going to ask your wife, do you trust my ability to provide for you? do you know i'll do whatever it takes will i make the sacrifice sacrifice of my pride sacrifice of my time will i do what it takes to take whatever job necessary to provide for our family will i do whatever it takes to discontinue a relationship with a family member if it's poison to our family do you trust my ability to provide and protect you Women need to feel safe. It's not that we can't do for ourselves or you can't lift some weights if you want to, but men are designed to be the burden bearer. They're designed to carry that weight. Their frames are stronger. They're just designed by God to be the protector. Even in nature, they're designed, the men are the hunters and the women cubs are the nurturers, right? I mean, get in front of a she-bear and even Proverbs tells you you're in trouble, but... (laughs) Men are more aggressive by nature. So some verses to look at. So you have your questions to ask yourself. The first verse is 1 Timothy 5.8. If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Do not be this person. Do not be this person. Do not... I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me read a couple of verses here. Proverbs 13.4... The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. Young ladies, if he's lazy now, he doesn't even need to know your last name. I'm not kidding. He, your wedding ring isn't gonna fix that and you are going to be miserable married to a lazy man. Can you, ima- I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine. I'm getting ahead of myself, but... I'm going to give you a story in a minute. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. It's too hard. There's snow on the ground. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. Do not marry a lazy man. You're going to have, your kids will suffer. The kids you don't even have right now, your kids will suffer. If you're lazy your family will have nothing, gentlemen, hear me that. If you are lazy, your family will have nothing. Only what mama can can come up with on her own. And that is not fair to her. That angers me. I grew up that way and that's where I was trying to go. But when you are too lazy or too prideful to take a job that you think is beneath you or the title isn't what you think it should be, That is a sad state of a man right there. I'm sorry, but that's pathetic. I I grew up this way. I loved my dad, but he was a lazy man. And he was a coal miner in Indiana. We went to one party. There was this company called Solar Sources. I remember going to one picnic because that's the only time he was employed because he had the right job. This ruins your family. I hope we don't have anybody in here like this, but just hear it because your wife needs it. You need to know she needs you to be a hard worker, she needs you to be a provider. She does not care if you bring home six figures, but she needs to know you're going to do whatever it takes. If it means two jobs, you're going to do whatever it takes. I'm so blessed. Pastor is not lazy. Um, He says, I feel like you do more than me. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. You know, like I go to bed and he's still up writing his book, you know. But some things that this is going to do for your family is that you're going to produce feminism. If you have girls, it's going to push them towards feminism. I had to fight being able to let a man take care of me. Because as a young girl, I said, oh no. No. I will not live on food stamps. I will not have to depend on a man. I will not not be able to afford to do basic things because my husband is too lazy to take care of me. That is what I grew up marinated in. So I'm probably still decompressing from that to be honest, but you can't have a relationship with God because he takes care of you. But that perverts your girls in their view of their heavenly father. Don't marry a lazy man. Don't marry a lazy man. I don't know if I can put that out there any more clear. (laughs) Don't marry a lazy man. And it's going to rob your children of their mother, okay? Because now she's going to have to work. She's going to have to do circles around whatever to try to do the best. Because mamas are not going to let their kids go without. They're just not. Unless something's wrong with them, they're not going to let their kids go without. There are some out there, I understand, and they need help. But you're gonna rob your kids of their mother because she's gonna have to work tooth and toenail to help do your job. And she's gonna miss out on those mothering moments where she should get to be the mother and not have to be the provider. She needs you to be the provider, gentlemen, okay? So young men, you need to be the provider. You get with God and you seek him now. Lord, what is your plan for my life? What do I need to do to be ready so that I can be a provider for my family? You don't have to have it all together to get married, but you need to be able to provide. That needs to be together, right? You need to not be going to mama's basement after you say, I do. You guys laugh, but we live in a nation that is happy to get a paycheck from our government and do nothing. You know how many help wanted signs there are around this town? If you don't have a job and you are in this church, shame on you. Especially if you have a wife and kids. So... If I'm stepping on your toes, I'm sorry, but shame on you, you need a job. There are plenty out there. Do not let your pride get in the way, okay? Don't be lazy. Let me make sure I said everything I needed to say there. Got a little heated on that one. That one hits a little close to home. I did get to ride in a helicopter at that one solar sources party we went to. Back on my dad. I don't mean to shame him. That's not my intention of this, but I want you to see. it. You know, if you grew up great, then you don't know what it does. It, it's gonna mess up your kids, right? Don't put in them something before they're even born that they have to get out of them when they're 40, right? So it robs the kids of the mothers. Oh, back to my dad, I was gonna finish out. He didn't want a job at that coal mine unless it was the right machinery. So you're gonna sit home and do drugs while mama does whatever to try to pay bills But you could take a different job and still have a paycheck. Like, you have to have a paycheck. The best job is the one that's paying you today. You can believe God for better later. Come on, you know? He wasn't born again when all of this, so he did get born again later in life. But even my kids know his life was cut short because he lived for himself most of his life, unfortunately, and went home too early. But praise God, he did go to heaven, I believe. So if you, if you have a job too, so most of you, I think, work. I hope all of you do. I hope I'm not stepping on. I, if you don't have a job, I do hope I'm stepping on your toes, actually. Um, so if you do have a job, though, don't be lazy there. You can, like with my runs, you can get mundane, your drive home. It can be what you do every day and you just go in eight to five, you punch your clock or seven to four, whatever you work, and you just do your thing and you go home and collect a paycheck. Be fervent in your job. The few dealings I have with the community outside of our church, pastor is right. If you just work a little harder than somebody next to you, you can be the boss. There are some companies I think, I should get a paycheck from your job because I'm doing it for you, just in our dealings, you know what I mean? So don't be lazy if you have a job, be fervent there, be a good steward over what God's given you and excel excel in the job that you've been given and don't just let it be the humdrum of your everyday life. Yeah, I go to work. I have a great job. It's great. But where can you excel there also? Where can you push the envelope there? Where can you believe God for better? Where can you serve more or be a better blessing to your boss? Amen? Amen. Another thing I want to point out on the protection side of things, So we have a lot of young families here she needs you to be a provider but she also needs you to be her protector and that means not just physically but her emotions and her spiritual aspect as well so i know we have a lot of young families your wife is going to go through seasons where she needs more from you having babies is one of those seasons being pregnant is one of those seasons she is not firing on all cylinders when she's eight and nine months pregnant. She is not firing on all cylinders when that baby's a month to two months old and she's still sleeping in three hour segments or two. Exhaustion does crazy things to people, amen? (laughs) So I just wanna say that we have a lot of young families, we have a lot of new babies, we have pregnant ladies, we have people believing to be pregnant. Your wife may need more from you in that time. Be that protection for her. Be that provider for her in that aspect, too. If that means you do laundry, do laundry. If that means you make dinners for the week, make dinners for the week. It's a season. I don't know that we have lazy women in here. I can't look around because then if I see one, I'll think, oh, what about that one? I'm teasing. We have a very hard working church and I do not think we have lazy women in here. So if your wife is needing help, be that protection for her, be that provider for her. She might need a little help at home. She wants to be the homekeeper. She wants to be the steward of the home. She wants to make your life wonderful and great and make your sandwiches and go to bed with you at night. But if she's exhausted, she can't do any of those things, right? pregnancy and new babies. That's just the thing that I can think of that's a season. Or we have some older couples in the church who are caring for older family members, mom and dad. That's a different season of life. Your wife is going to need different things from you from that time. And it's your job to dwell with her with all recognition or an understanding like First Peter tells us and to see she's struggling here. She needs some help. If you're in that stage of life, ask your grown kids for help. If they're still a part of your life, don't live secluded. Ask for help. Get your wife help if she needs it, amen? she just had a baby, she's pregnant, get her help. If she's struggling with the loss of a loved one, get her help. If she's taking care of dying parents or elderly parents, get her help if she needs it, amen? So she needs that from you. She needs, number one, leadership and communication, And number two, she needs your provision and your protection. She needs that from you. Number three, she wants to feel valued. Your wife wants to feel important to you. Every wife feels that way differently, but your wife wants to feel important to you. So, husbands, you're going to go home and ask your wife Do I make you feel important? Is there anything I do that makes you feel not important? Is there anything that I'm doing that is hurting you or hurting our relationship? Maybe that's an easy question for you. Maybe that's a hard question for you. depends on, I suppose, the state of your marriage and how big your ego is. Amen. But ask her, do I make you feel important? She needs to feel important. And she gets that from her father. Matthew twenty twenty eight and Mark ten forty five. they say the same thing, but it says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So that is your verse to take home and say, Lord, as a husband, help me to serve my wife. You're supposed to love her like Christ loved the church. Christ died for the church. He gave everything in obedience to his father for the church. Your job is to serve her. Here's another verse Ephesians 5:25 says something similar. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So ask yourself, what can you do to make your wife feel important? Ask her what would make her feel important. If she doesn't, what, if her answer is, no, I don't really feel that important to you. So then why, what can I do to make you feel important? What, what causes you to feel important to me? Some things that you can do, you know, every wife is different, but you've got to find out what makes her feel valuable. How can you show her she's important? You need to respect her, affirm her and tell her, start by every day. Your wife will put up with a lot. She will put up with your stink. She will put up with your clothes on the floor. She'll put up with your bad attitude. She'll put up with your silence. Whatever kind of little funk that men can get into, your wife's going to make your dinner. She's going to take care of your kids. She's going to take care of your home. But she wants to be more than that to you. You know, think of little girls. They love Disney because of the princesses, right? And it's magical and it's fairy and it's frilly. Your wife is a grown-up little girl. Okay, some of that is still in her. She may not need a frilly dress. She may not need shiny shoes, but she might. That might be what makes her feel important. I don't know, a shiny handbag to match. But she needs to feel important to you, okay? Tell her thank you for the things that she does. Be appreciative of what she does. What can you do to sacrifice for her? Think about that. What can you do to sacrifice for her? How can you serve her? Your job is to make sure that her needs are taken care of. Material, so you're providing. You have a safe place for her to live. She feels protected because you talk to her. You communicate the plan with her and her spiritual and emotional needs as well. She wants to feel like your queen, not just like your housekeeper, okay? She'll happily push the vacuum in a tutu, but she wants to feel like your queen, okay? (laughs) Probably she won't do it in a tutu, but... You know, like I said, the little girls love the princesses because it's royalty and you get special treatment. So rub your wife's feet. Maybe she's ticklish, rub her shoulders. Make her dinner one night. The sky is the limit, gentlemen. Your job is to figure out what makes her beam in this regard. You know, my husband found out, I love my husband. He is a servant. He really is. I'm very thankful. But he found out how much it blessed me that he we do this AeroPress coffee. If you've ever been to our house, we don't just push a button for coffee anymore, but it tastes really good, this coffee. So you have to boil the water, you have to grind the beans, you have to scoop them out, you have to pour, stir, then press, okay? So it's not just this. But he found out how much it blesses me that he makes my coffee for me, and so he is so excited to make my coffee for me every morning. Even if he's fasting coffee, he'll make me coffee. Sometimes I may have to remind him, am I fasting coffee too? Just to joke (laughs) with him, you know. But find out what blesses your husband. She's not asking for a vacation to Hawaii. I mean, I would ask for one if it was in the budget. But, you know, all joking aside... She doesn't want the moon from you, but she wants to feel valuable to you. So your job, according to 1 Peter, is to figure out, dwell with her, right? With all recognition and understanding. Understand your wife, figure out what makes her feel important. Maybe you, here's one, if you have little kids, watch them for a whole day, all day Saturday, and let your wife go have a day to do nothing without those children. Listen, we have, we have families on both sides. We have families at public school and moms that work. So they are separated from their young kids. And when they get home, they want nothing more than to be with them because they haven't seen them all day. And they want to snuggle them or you know, if they had to go to daycare and they're little, that mama's so happy to just be at home. So maybe you just make dinner for that kind of mom so that she can sit and play games with her kids or you know, sit and do a puzzle with the kid that had to go to daycare. But if you have a homeschool mom and she's been at home with them all day and you have a three-year-old that does not stop talking, (laughs) not that that would relate. (laughs) I'm saying I love my kids fiercely, but a break from them is very nice. I was so excited to go to a birthday party. I even got a babysitter because pastor had to work for VBS. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. This is okay. I can go out without my kids. Then something came up and I didn't get to go, but it was okay. But your, whatever it is that makes her feel valuable. I just say, if you have little kids, watch them for an afternoon if you can't do a whole day. Don't just duct tape them to the wall either. Actually do something with them. But, and it will help you to appreciate your wife. And if you keep the kids, here's another tidbit for you. If you keep the kids and your wife goes out, try really hard not just to keep them alive, but maybe the dishes could be done when she gets home too. Maybe they're already in the tub and she doesn't have to come home from a date and then give baths and do everything else that's still required of the evening before she can sit down. So your wives are all different than me. This is just me being joking, but I imagine it applies to other people with young babies. Put them to bed. She can just go in and love on them and kiss them goodnight, and then she can sit down and do whatever. But anyway, just figure out what blesses your wife and be a servant to her. Make her feel valuable. Give of yourself. You are supposed to love her like Christ loved the church, and he gave everything. You can give an hour. You can give a foot rub. You can give a card if she likes that. You can take her on a date. You can come up with whatever's important to your wife. Amen? I'm only on number two, aren't I? Three. I'm on three. Oh, we're doing great. All right. So take her on a date. Ask your wife if you don't know, okay? Ask what makes her feel important if you don't know. And wives, don't get offended. If he asks you, so Miss Manda listed these things. Do any of those bless you? Do they make you feel important? Don't get mad at him for not knowing and asking. He's trying, okay? If he's... pastor says men do not know what you're thinking and you don't know what they're thinking so just if he asks just tell him yes honey this would bless me a lot and don't be offended that you had to tell him okay don't get all in uproar because he didn't automatically know he doesn't automatically know like your babies don't come with programs any of you that had them you don't automatically know you got to figure that thing out husband and wife are the same way all right so number." What did I say? Four? We're on four? All right. So number four, I have, this was got three titles. Intimacy, closeness, and friendship. I kind of put that all together. This one, again, starts in the garden. Adam needed a companion. He needed a companion. Your wife wants to feel close to you. Not just in the bedroom. She wants to feel like your heart is open to her and her heart can be open to you. It's companionship, doing things together. She wants to be your best friend. She doesn't just want to take care of your home and then take care of you in the evening. Amen. She needs that from you. So Proverbs 3.11 says, the heart of her husband safely trusts her. So he will not, he will not have lack of gain. So she wants to be that for you. She wants your heart to safely trust her. She doesn't want you to be the caveman thinking you've got it all figured out and not sharing anything with her. Men can get that way. Again, the ego and pride, you're too afraid to say, honey, we're looking at this financially and honestly, this scares me. I know that God's our provider, but this is where we are and and it causes my heart to wobble. Or These thoughts have been coming to me, so will you pray for me in this regard? Or I'm tempted with this, can you pray for me in this regard? Your wife wants to be that for you. She does not want to be your mama. She does not want to have to wipe your bottom and take care of you like a three-year-old, but she wants your heart to be open to her. That, when a woman says intimacy, that's what a woman is thinking. Your heart is connected. You are in it together. You're one page. You're one team. Then comes the one flesh. Oftentimes men hear intimacy and they skip right to one flesh and forget about all of the other stuff that allows a woman to want to freely be one flesh. She wants to be that with you. That brings her refreshing as as much as it does you. But she wants the heart to be there so that the quality of your together time is better if that all makes sense to everybody. So she wants to feel close to you in her heart. If she feels close to you in her heart, like I said, closeness, I keep saying the end of the day, it can be the beginning of the day or lunch break if you want. But that time will be more rewarding for both of you if she feels like she has your heart and your heart is safely trusting in her. And she, as a friend, pastors, our daughter, they got back from Texas and she gave me this story. And he said, honey, that's how a girl tells a story like that. You know what a boy would say? I was on a bounce house and I fell off. I bumped my head, but I'm okay. But Lydia's story went quite a bit longer than that. But she wanted to give me all the details and I was fine with that. (laughs) So it was a little tough on me for him to have her. And he doesn't give details plus texting, plus busy conference life. How's Lydia? She's good. That tells me nothing. I'm glad she's good. I know that, but tell me more. So, but she, she wants to be your comp- companion. She wants to have conversations with you about things that matter. You know, when young people are sinful and they have those late night soul dumps before they are allowed to, and they connect their heart with another person, you're allowed to do that now. You're married. You can have soul dumps with one another because you're married. Your souls are supposed to be knit together, not just your bodies. And your wife wants the soul to be knit together. So she, I said, listening to her, she's happy to um, enjoy the closeness, but she also wants that friendship. She's your helper. Adam needed a suitable helper. So your wife wants to know that her opinion matters in the home. Now, if you are overly opinionated wife, eventually it's just going to be like noise. But she wants to know to have a healthy relationship. Honey, this concerns me, or I've been praying about this, and I think this. She wants to know that her opinion and her viewpoint should be respected or would be respected and listened to, okay? She just wants you to listen to her. She wants to know that she can bring you a concern or a struggle that she's dealing with, and you're not gonna thump her over the head with it a week from now, well, you said this, because you're like this, this, and this, and then she's just been, she shared something intimate with you, or open with you, and now you're using it against her. Do you see what, without an example, I'm trying to make there? So she wants to know she's gonna be close to you and have that intimacy. Um, Isaiah 29:13 and Matthew 15:8. The Lord says, these people draw near with their mouths and they honor me with their lips, but they've removed their hearts from me. So the Lord doesn't just want us coming to church. He doesn't just want us lifting our hands and giving in the offering and serving on a work day. He wants our heart. And your wife is the same way. She wants your heart, not just your body to be beside her in the bed or your body to be beside her at dinner table. She wants your heart too. So you have to figure out how to work that out with your spouse and how you can open your heart to her and share something with her. So you go home and ask your wife, do you feel like my heart is open to you? Is it just my checking account or is it just my home? Is it just my car? But do you feel like my heart is open to you? As a husband, that's what you're gonna go home and ask your wife. Do you feel like I communicate with you, not just what I need, not just when we're going on vacation, but do I communicate matters of my heart with you? Those, that is important to a woman and that can be extremely awkward for a man, especially if you've never done it and talked about your feelings or your fears or insecurities. And wives, you have to trust that. You, If he brings that to you, you have to be that Proverbs 31 woman where he does safely trust you because he has given you something and you treasure that and you pray for that and you encourage him in that and you build him up in that. You don't beat him down with that. You don't hold it over his head. You don't talk to mama. You don't talk to your girlfriends. You protect that so that his heart does safely trust there. Amen. So she gets that desire from her father. She wants to be your best friend. She wants to have fun with you, do something together that she enjoys sometimes, or just do something together if you don't ever do something together. I read a blog, a marriage blog that I signed up for, and it was sending me some things. And this man said on there that you should have regular dates with your spouse, And now more than ever, in our relationship, we can see that. It is necessary. If finances are an issue, make an adjustment somewhere. Do something that is free. Trade babysitting with somebody in the church if you have small children and go for a walk holding hands. But your relationship needs that time together without the children. We've tried the date at home on the couch after the kids go to bed. But you know what happens? I fall asleep. Because it's the end of the day, and I finally sat down, and we had the whole day to do, right? So your wife needs time with you. Your marriage is important. we said from the beginning, the two things we don't want to fail are our spouse and our kids. And your kids will benefit from you going on a date. Your kids will benefit from you and your spouse having fun together. You need to have fun together. You need to laugh and do the things that you enjoyed doing when you were dating and didn't have kids. Not that we disregard the kids and family dates are fun and you want your kids to have great experiences, but your kids will be blessed if mom and dad have a happy marriage. They will benefit more from you having an afternoon or a morning or whatever you work out with your family, get grandma to watch the kids, but your wife is supposed to be your best friend. And if all you ever do are passing ships in the night, and we are busy, we are a busy church. You guys have kids, kids have things, you both, both spouses work in many homes. Sometimes it can be ships coming and going. If that's all you ever see of each other, you don't have a close friendship you're going to be closer to the people you spend all day with at the office because you talk to them more. You know, Abigail missed Lydia tremendously on this trip. She missed her daddy too, but Lydia and Abigail are together almost 24/7 with the exception of their classes here and gymnastics. They're together. You know, so there's a healthy relationship there. She missed that. So you're you're not You wouldn't miss someone that's never around and your spouse doesn't need to be that person, amen. You've got to spend time with one another. It is worth it. Your marriage will benefit from it even if you just go to the park and people watch and sit on a bench with a cup of coffee. You need to have some time together on a regular basis. So if you don't do that, try once a month. Put it on your calendar and try once a month or every two weeks or every week if you can swing it but it needs to be important because she needs that. She needs that bond. That's, that's, that's a bond for her, right? So this involved the communication we already discussed. She wants to talk. She finds comfort in knowing that you're going to work together, even work days like going to work at the house. Um, you could ride in the same car together. You can talk on the way, talk on the way home. You've just got to look for ways to be together together even when you don't have a whole lot of time to be together, amen? So she still, cause she still wants to feel connected to you. She still wants to feel like your hearts are bonded and you are together. And again, that comes from her father. So our last point is, let's review real quick. Number one, leadership communication. Number two, protection and provision. Number three, valued. That's your job to figure out what makes her feel that way. She needs to feel important. And number four, she wants that intimacy, that closeness, that friendship. She wants to know that your heart is trusting in her, that she has your heart. And number five, she needs you to be spiritually mature. She needs that from you. That's part of the leadership that we looked at in the first one. But you need to ask your spouse, if you're married, do you trust my walk with God? Ask your your husband, ask your wife, does she trust your walk with God? Do you even have one? Okay. Yes, you come to church, but are you praying? Are you talking to God about your family? Are you talking to God about your future? Are you spending time with him on a regular basis in the word and in prayer? Do you trust my walk with God? Young men, that ought to be something that you're aspiring to have is a walk with God that any mom would be happy to connect their daughter to. And you, you can see that on young people. There was one young man in particular I told my husband, I said, if we had girls his age, I would be happy because he's proven, this young man had proven to make the choices to serve God, even when mom and dad didn't, even when things came against him, even when he was maybe cast out or whatever, but he had proven he had a walk with God. And, you know, when you go through some things that are just really bad, you think they're never wobbling. Like they're, they're on this path for life. They're going to serve God because it's cost them so much already. So you need to be mature, spiritually mature for your wife. It does not necessarily mean that you have to know the Bible better than her, but you should be studying if you feel like she knows it more than you. You, you have to be the leader of your home, and you have to lead by God's word, and you have to know his word in order to lead by it, right? You, ignorance is not bliss, especially when it comes to the word of God. Though, that's our sure foundation to stand upon, and if we don't know that we can put our foot there, then we could fall when we don't need to. So do you trust my walk with God? Do I call sin, sin? Do I know what to do? Am I submitted? Am I submitted to my pastor? do I let my pastor chisel on me? Do I let my pastor speak into my life? Do I let my pastor say, this is what I think that you should do, and do I do it? Because pastor says a lot of things from the pulpit, according to the Bible, and I know that he oftentimes will even, as God allows him or you allow him, will say things in private. I really think that you would benefit from doing this based on these verses, but do you do it? Because you can hear it and agree. Yeah, you're right, pastor, but if you don't do it, that's not submission. That's back to, what was that number? Number two, right? Lacey. Lacey. <laughs> lazy is what I was trying to say there. So do you trust my ability, husbands ask your wife, do you trust my ability to pray and hear from God or even to be turned by God? Do I pray, do I talk to God? Am I willing to make a sacrifice? Am I willing to change plans even to lose money or to keep us on the right path, whatever it takes, right? Have I proven myself to you that I'm gonna do whatever it takes? Do I even spend time with God? Questions you can ask yourselves. James 1.25 says, "'Blessed is he who looks in the perfect law of liberty," and then closes his Bible and goes to bed. It does not say that, in case you're wondering. So James 1.25, "'Blessed is he who looks in the perfect law of liberty "'and continues in it, being not a forgetful hearer, "'but a doer of the work. "'This man shall be blessed in his deed. This will bring your wife so much peace and comfort. If you love God more than her and you do whatever it takes to serve him, your wife will have so much peace in her heart and home. Even if you wobble on some of these other things, you're not a great communicator, not a great leader. Maybe you, you lost your job. You, know, you just wobble somewhere else. You don't make her feel important every day. But if she knows that you love God and your heart is sold out to him and you want to get better and you've proven that you don't just want to get better, but you will take steps to get better. You will take steps to make changes. If you've shown her that, you will do the, the right thing. Even if it costs you your pride, costs you your humility, costs you money, costs you time, you will do what God says to do. That brings her so much peace. Because the devil hates marriage. The devil hates your marriage. You need to know that. The devil hates your marriage. I love my husband. I know he loves me. We are not perfect. But I never, ever question his faithfulness to me. That is never a question. Even in his wonkiest times where he's dealing with something and there's a strain, you know, at home because he's dealing with something and maybe not communicating If the devil tries to say, he's cheating on you or he's whatever, that's not even a thought that I entertain, I'm like, no, you know? But the devil hates your marriage. And if you can prove to your wife, you love God more than her, then she knows, you're the team, back what we looked at, you're heirs together, that is what she wants. You can wobble and she will be your support. You can wobble and she will pray for you you can share your heart with her and she will encourage you and pray for you and support you. If you will be the man of God that God has called you to be, it will bring so much peace to her in every other area. Because again, the devil hates your marriage and fiery darts will come and stupid thoughts will come to try to get you to think and dwell and say, well, he did that, but this, you know, I don't even know what kind of craziness can come at people's minds. But a lot, the devil hates your marriage. So as a husband, one of the, this is like the anchor. That's why I put it at the end. She needs to know you're with God regardless and you love him more than her and you're never gonna do anything that sins against him because you love him more than her. So therefore you're not gonna do anything that sins against her, at least on purpose. You know, you might do something stupid and you'll have to repent for it because listen, we're all human and we're not perfect. You know, pastor and I are not perfect. You guys are not perfect in your marriages, but if we love God and we are a team and we are in it together and we have fun together and husbands are communicating the vision and husbands are having fun with their wives and taking care of them and helping to relieve burdens from them. It's like the sky's the limit for your marriage. The sky's the limit for how beautiful it can be, right? Even the most blessed marriages in here today, there's better because God, right? Because we draw closer to him. We can get better at our job of spousing as a wife and husbands can get better at their job of spousing as husband and we get better together and our kids reap the benefits of that, right? They reap the benefits of a healthy marriage. What a, what a rare thing to even give kids these days. It's it's unfortunate that it's even a rare thing, but it's a it's God's thing. It's the way it's supposed to be and it's not really all that hard. His ways are not really all that hard. There's hard stuff, sure. There's ugly stuff, sure, but just doing the Bible is not really all that hard unless you're just that arrogant or that stubborn. I, there's some more adjectives I could probably throw in there. But really, that's what it comes down to. We're just either that prideful. I was talking with someone before church, like Proverbs says multiple times, there's a way that seems right to a man, but therein thereof is death. And that verse strikes me because as pastors, we see that in other people. We see, why are they not doing what is so clear to do right here? This has been taught to them. I know they've been here how long? And they still don't know that. Why aren't they doing that that I can see so clearly in the word but then I think oh what about me because you know you can't see if you have toilet paper hanging out your backside right (laughs) it's like God speak to me about me where am I dumb where am I where am I not doing something that I should have heard over and over and over again so we just come hungry we just come humble and we desire to get better so blessed is the man who looks in the perfect law of liberty and is a doer of the work. And then James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Your wife needs that from you. She needs that from you. Luke eight twenty one says, he answered and said to them, my brothers and my, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. That's what Jesus said, right? This isn't my mother and my brother. My mother and my brother are the ones that hear the word and do it so we have to be doers of the word amen so hopefully there's some word in there for the men to do we're going to communicate and lead our wives right going to be the leader god designed you to be that leader not the caveman you don't have your club and your billy club and dragging her around by her hair but you're leading her you're making the vision plain so that your family doesn't perish so that you're not just spinning wheels time's going to pass but you want it to be productive you don't want your car up on blocks and the wheels spinning. You want it down on the path it's supposed to be on so you can move forward. You're going to provide protection for her and pro- provide for her. You're going to work hard at your job. You're going to get one if you don't have one. You're going to excel at the one you do have if you do have one. Don't, don't, don't grow cold. Don't grow weary and well-doing on your job. You're going to provide emotionally for her. You're going to listen to her if she has concerns or she has fears. And you're going to, listen, sometimes wives need their husband's help to get better. Wives maybe don't like to hear that, but they need your help. They need your wisdom. They need your logical mind to look at it and say, oh, this is, this is easy. I can, I can troubleshoot that. Men like to do that anyway. They like to fix things. So she needs your emotional support. She needs your spiritual support and provision. And then she needs to feel valued. You're gonna figure out what makes her feel valuable and important and start doing some of those things. Put reminders on your calendar. Life gets busy. If she likes to have a foot rub, put a a reminder for Thursday afternoon. Rub your wife's feet tonight if you haven't this week. And do it again even if you have. If she likes it and it makes her feel important, I mean, if her feet, her feet are gross, tell her to put some socks on her. Pay for her to go get a pedicure, right? You watch the kids and pay for her to go get a pedicure. <laughs> pay for me too and I'll go with her. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so we're gonna communicate, we're gonna provide, protect, we're gonna make her feel valuable. We're gonna be your best friend. Don't let the job be more important When you're gonna ask her, do you feel important to me? Because you know, job, it can be an easy scapegoat for men. Because I harped on you can't be lazy and you have to work and you have to provide. And so job can be an easy excuse. I'm just providing for my family, but you're using it as a reason to stay busy So it can be, it can swing the other way with your job. You can get way too much there as well. So she wants to be your best friend. Don't let your job be your best friend. Don't be, um, you know, I tease pastor. We live an open book in front of you guys, but he works out with some people on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I have told him before, where's Uncle Alan? Don't get offended, Uncle Alan. Several of them will go to breakfast on Fridays, and Uncle Alan is one of them. And I'll say sometimes, listen, Uncle Alan has had more dates with you than I have, and so I need some attention. You know, not to be sassy, but it's our job to communicate. They don't mean to. That's what I say. If they wobble on something, I know he loves God, and I know the minute I say that, then things will adjust, and we'll go on a date or do whatever we need to do. But you got to find out what makes you. She wants to be your friend. That's where we're at. She wants to be your friend. She wants to have that closeness. She wants to have intimacy with you, and she needs you to be spiritually mature so that when something else like that, Uncle Alan's getting all your dates, you can say, hey, honey, Uncle Alan's getting all the dates. I need to have some. Amen? And you know because he loves – men don't mean to. That's just – that's part of schedule. So that's why I say. Schedule those things on your phone. Schedule that foot rub for her. You schedule the date with Uncle Alan, schedule the foot rub for her, or whatever your thing is, right? (laughs) Some of you are laughing. All right, let's see. My last verse I have, so I don't want to skip it. What a man says does not matter, but what a man man does shows his faith. And that tells us that in James 2.18. I can't even understand my own sentence. You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. We know we can't separate the two. So she wants to see your faith and your works. She wants to see you be a doer of the word, not just serving, not just coming to the work day. She wants to see your heart. She wants your heart to love Jesus and your heart to love her. That probably much sum up my whole message right there. She wants your heart to love Jesus and your heart to love her and to communicate both of those things with her. So love God more than yourself. Love God more than your pride, love God more than your inconvenience, love God more than your comfort, love God more than your wife. I'm glad my husband loves God more than me, because if I get stupid, he can set me straight. Otherwise, if he loves me more than God, and I get stupid, then we're both going down the stupid trail, and we don't want to do that. We want to stay on God's trail, amen?